J.T. Crowley is talking books. On this show, you'll hear from emerging talent and seasoned veterans from around the world. Hello, I'm J.T. Crowley, and I'm delighted to have joining me on the show today, Tristan Windermere, an American author from rural Michigan, to talk about his book, Flirting with Lavender Lane. Tristan was born in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and was raised in rural Cedar Springs near the north edge of Kent County. Throughout his life, Tristan has done a variety of things, from working in a tool and DIY shop to teaching high school students, as well as turning his hand to being a driving instructor. Well, that's what we call them here in the UK. Whether that's the same in the USA, I'm not sure, but I'm sure it is. But that might be on a different guise there, everybody. His book is quite lengthy and at times highly detailed. The book, nevertheless, carries some interesting views, points on how religion, society as a whole, reacts to people who follow the LGBT lifestyle. The book discusses gay love, the correctness of same-sex love, religious views on LGBT issues, social discrimination, bigotry, and the rejection of homosexuality by various institutions, entities, and individuals. But more so, the relationship the Christian churches and the LGBT community have or haven't with each other. So let's invite Tristan onto the show to talk about his fascinating book. Tristan, come and join me. Uh, John, it's good to be here, finally, after all this time. Oh, finally, everybody. Yes, this has taken some time to put together, yeah. everybody. Glad to be here. Tristan, um, would you like to tell us a little about yourself, you know, and why you wrote the book? Well, I um, have been a uh, teacher for 15 years and then taught driver's ed for five. Um, and in doing so, I experienced a lot of kids downing the gay lifestyle and so forth, which is fine. But I thought rather unfairly, plus, in, in addition to which I witnessed churches and religious organizations doing the same, they take the LGBT community, LGBT community as a whole and buttonhole them into one little peg hole here. And everybody in that group is a member of that little peg hole and does all these terrible things. And that's just not true. There's a lot out there that uh, are not doing bad things. They're just living life and in, in, in trying to love like we do. And uh, so I have had this uh, storyline, I should say the first chapter in my mind for quite some time, for probably 20 years. And when my teaching gave out, I decided to start writing and I wrote down the first chapter and from there I just took right off on the book. So that's kind of how that got started. 20 years is a long time. I am. Yeah. Well, it didn't take, it didn't take me 20 years to write the whole book, but <laughs> it took me um, a few years. <laughs> <laughs> it took you a few years, but the concept started 20 years ago. Yeah. I like your style. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, Tristan, you set the book in a suburb of the metropolitan area of Chicago. The first chapter, Life is Smashed, deals with some very delicate matters around the lives of Tyler and Aidan. We've got a suicidal situation. We've got deceits. We've got historical abuse, male rape and prostitution. Why have you hit the reader right at the start of the book with these very strong storylines? What are you saying here? And what are you trying to do here? Well, I thought it would be interesting to start the book partway or partway through the story, at least, um, which I do in the first chapter. Um, and I've always told people the book is gritty. I mean, it's gritty. It's down to earth. And you're going to, you know, you might be shocked about some of the subject matter. Um, and I wanted to just kind of punch through that unknown uh, wrapping paper and get right to the bones of the issues and then back off and bring everybody up to date. Um, so, you know, you talk about, you know, in your own life, yes, you know, you, when you was a driving instructor, yes, you know, you met people from the LGBT community who obviously chatted to you and told you that, you know, the issues that you faced. So was this, um, something that you then decided to you know, I need to write about this and perhaps put some, put right, you know, some of the, um, wrong perspectives people have about this community. I would say that that feeling came more from, uh, rather than from teaching, it came more from my dealings with my church. Um, I grew up in a, in a uh, Methodist church. And um, I, in looking, in listening to and being taught by the Methodist church and the look, then looking out at the other different churches and stuff and how they dealt with the um, issues of LGBT. I realized that there was a lot of confusion, a lot of um, what, what I now believe is misteaching, misinterpretation, mistranslation. Um, and I just thought that it was something that needed to be addressed. And so I started, that idea started percolating in my mind about the first scene. And I went on from there. So. I see. Uh, Tristan, I want to take the listeners to chapter six on, in your book. Now, everybody, there are 47 chapters in this uh, amazing book. But chapter six, which is headed up, Dysfunction City. Now, this is a sensitive chapter around Aidan's fostering life from the age of three. You talk about the people who promote the foster care system singing its praises, yet those kids that go through that system would summarise it as hell on earth, a miserable destruction system, unchecked where children were opened up to every kind of misuse and abuse. This is a, a poignant chapter in this book of yours, dealing with horrendous issues around the foster care system. So my question, Tristan, is did you find it difficult to talk about some of the disturbing matters that you went on to talk about in this chapter of yours? 
you know, foster homes over 12 and a half years for Aidan with knockbacks and all sorts of things going wrong. Was this really difficult for you to write this chapter? Uh, we we tried to adopt children, uh, so I have experience dealing with the foster care system and their shortcomings. Uh, this is not to say that all foster care systems operate this way, but you hear stories and, and, and you talk to former foster children and you hear a lot of tales of what goes on and what doesn't go on. And you know, I witnessed some of it by dealing with the foster care system, the sloppiness, the um, the uh, poor court dates, the poor things happening in the, in the uh, with the judge and with children um, being shipped around and um, from one per, you know group family to another and um, all thing, the different things like that. Um, so was it hard to write? Um, not necessarily no um it just i it just flowed from what i've gathered from talking with former foster children and with my own experience and then i um just put it down on paper and wrote the chapter was it emotional to write it was emotional yeah i thought so because it comes across as a very very <laughs> emotional uh, chapter yeah. everybody as it should do it's a yeah. very sensitive chapter and i know a lot of you know there are there are some very good foster um, homes and there are some not so good foster homes um right. so we need to get that balance right as i said there are some very very good foster homes and foster parents and then there were some that didn't work didn't go to plan. Um, so let's not call everybody with the same brush, but there were those right. where it didn't work out. And that is fair enough to say, isn't it, Justin? Yep, exactly. You know, there are a lot of kids who grew up in the foster care system that grew up in very loving, loving families. Some didn't, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Tristan, I would like to go to chapter 20. A Performance Waterloo. I thought, well, that's an interesting title for a chapter. Um, we now see Aidan working in the Flamingo Lounge and what he actually did for a living rather than what he originally told Tyler. Plus, we start to see Aidan now in a relationship with Tyler, tentatively thinking about marriage and a different future. Now, this chapter is an eye-opening chapter, everybody. You know, it's a chapter of Aidan's life changing, um, you know, male prostitution. Why did you put this chapter in, Tristan? Well, this chapter is the beginning of Aidan questioning what he's done or doing, I should say. Um, up until now, he has just done his job and enjoyed it and had no question about rightness or wrongness, but because he's in this relationship or, or wanting to get in this relationship with Tyler, all of a sudden now he's questioning what he's doing because Tyler's a Christian and bringing uh, his biblical background into their relationship. He's beginning to question his whole job and his whole purpose and his whole future. So 
that's why I put that chapter in because he's bang, he's beginning to question all of that. And that brings the ceiling down on him, so to speak. You know, because this is quite a very, you know, a very sensitive um, area, isn't it? It's a very sensitive subject. You know, he's, you know, he's, he's in a, a gay club. He's in male prostitution. And it's going to take some turning around of his life, isn't it? Yes. And then in, in the end of the chapter there, uh, he runs into three fellows that uh, rough him up quite a bit. And uh, those three fellows are going to, reappear later on in the series several times um, because they kind of have vendetta against him. But I used them too to bring out the seedy side, the bad side of what he was doing as for a living, not to cast aspersions on the entire gay community, but just just the uh, job that he had. He's now questioning his job and questioning what he's doing and deciding that maybe he's not doing a good thing and should stop doing it. Well, well, we'll see. Um, now, chapter 21, Tristan, Aurora's Grace, you know, Pentecostal Church. Now, Tristan, my understanding of this chapter, um, that it, it's, it's centred around tireless conflict between... Christianic views about same-sex relationships, homosexuality, and all its manifestations were wrong. There are a lot of uh, unanswered questions around this subject matter. You talk about, did God make Tyler this way, with all the qualities, behaviours, feelings, emotions, desires, intelligence, physical attributes? This is a very sensitive, contentious area for a lot of people. So my question, Tristan, is this. Now, when you're tackling this delicate area through the storyline of Tyler, do you think it was an area that needed to be included in your book, particularly as you feel the Christian church fails homosexuals to include them as individual people? Well, chapter 21 is a picture of the general attitude you would find in a uh, Pentecostal or a, a evangelical or traditional Christian church, uh, it's their reaction to homosexuality. Bubbly, happy, fine, perfect, all of a sudden they find out you're gay and they just shut right out and kind of shut you right off. Um, and that's typical of how you, uh, these chur- churches will treat you um, as you're coming out. Um, I think that it shows that, and I also wanted to get Tyler started in a church for later on in the story, and I wanted want some church characters in there too. So I have some characters in that in in that particular chapter that will also be appearing later on, um, and uh, I think that the once you read the chapter, you'll see that. Uh, the church tends to shun, either shun the whole issue of LGBT or shun the people involved in it and not give them a chance to become Christian, to be a Christian, to live a life for Christ, to go to church, to 
do these different things just because they're gay, they're LGBT. Do you think, you know, that, you know, church finds out that one of its members, you know, is gay um, and then adopts the attitude of, well, you need to go and get some counselling to sort this out. You know, we can fix this for you. We know. Um, I sometimes think, you know, that there are people in this world who thinks that a person who is gay can be fixed by either chemical treatments or counselling without realising that, they were born that way. That is how they're wired. Yeah. What do you say here? Yes, yes. And I I emphasize that more and more throughout the book that um, that's how they're born. So Absolutely. the church should recognize that. Absolutely. Um Tristan, when I asked you, you know, this was a long time ago, everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we've, been, we've been putting this together for some time. <laughs> <laughs> I think this goes on record here, Tristan. <laughs> yeah. Um, I asked you a long time ago to pick a certain chapter from your book for us to concentrate on. And one of those chapters you chose was chapter 26. Is the grass greener? Why do you want to talk about this chapter as opposed to others? Sometimes the grass isn't greener on the other side. So why this chapter? Well, this particular chapter does show the aggressiveness, the um, sex at all costs attitude of some gay people. Um, and of course, some heterosexuals are the same way. Uh, and so I wanted to show, too, how Tyler deals with pressures and stress of being uh, hit on by a homosexual and how he deals with that versus his love for Aiden and, or, or Andrew. And uh, Andrew and Aiden being the same person, just to let the listener, listeners know. Um, but I wanted to show that uh, that there's a lot going on out there as far as sexual harassment that we don't catch or don't understand. And it, it happens with both heterosexual and homosexual, but this particular instance, it's homosexual harassment i i understand and i think i'm right is and that pope francis said that it is not for us you know as individuals say in the catholic church to judge people that judgment is god's and god's own right i i tend to agree with a uh, statement that uh my uh half-sister uh, said about her family she said i let my she's i'm going to let my god decide this and sort all these issues out she says i'm not going to sort them out for him <laughs> no uh and i think that is the right way it's not for us to judge um who knows who's right who's wrong um right you know tristan there's an awful lot uh, going on in your book um, and I want to go to chapter 27 here. Recovery and comfort is the heading you give that chapter. 
why are you telling the story that goes on in this chapter here? Chapter 27, Recovery and Comfort. Well, I, I had to I think introduce it's a the fact chapter. that Marcus and... Oh, I'm sorry. I, think I it's had to introduce chapter. the fact that... Pardon me? I think it's a beautiful chapter. Oh, thank you. I, I had to introduce the fact that Marcus and and Andrew had had a former relationship. That was first. Um, secondly, he's recovering on stage from being attacked. And I just wanted to show um, the caring and compassion that goes into that is is in the LGBT community for each other. And once again, toward the end, there's the harassment of Marcus coming on to Andrew uh, unwelcome unwelcomed, I should say, the, the harassment is unwelcomed. And yet, Andrew kind of wants to and kind of doesn't, and, but he, he finally doesn't because Tyler comes to mind and he wants to save himself for Tyler for a change rather than throwing his body out to just anybody. Hmm. Uh, you know, I when I looked at that, that chapter I thought um, I wonder why he wants to put this in so now I can see why um, I want to go to chapter 32 entering angels we've got candlestick apartments and how the local community viewed what that building represented why highlight this chapter as one of the significant chapters that portrays your book Tristan chapter 32 entering angels Well, in chapter 32, we see Tyler coming home from uh, working out at the gym. And there's a demonstration going on right in front of his apartment building by a group or a church group again. And or, or I should say a Christian group of, of Christians from specifically one church, but other churches as well. They're demonstrating against the people that live in that apartment center because they know those people work in the sex industry and they want to get rid of the sex industry out of Aurora. So he comes home to this conflict right away. And there's kind of a, of a uh, funny interlude there with, uh, with the taxi, uh, taxi driver uh, that he doesn't quite understand that he's supposed to tip and uh, provide some kind of a tip for the service. But then he run also he runs into two characters that are going to appear later on. The first one is Mrs. Pompadora. He runs into her and, and how bigoted and stuck up she is and uh, how anti-gay she is and pompous she is. That's why her name is Pompadora. Very good. <laughs> and then Very he good. Runs, <laughs> then he, then he <clears throat> Then he runs into land. Excuse me. Then he runs into Landon. And Landon is going to be a recurring character too. And every time he appears, strange things happen as well as a message is delivered. So the question arises, and I don't answer that anytime soon is he an angel or not and so that's where the chapter title comes entertaining angels 
is he an angel sent with messages for Andrew and Tyler, or is he just a good good guy that appears out of nowhere and gives them a message and strange things happen and then he goes, you know? So, so I thought that it added uh, an additional religious dimension to the story. Oh, it's very different. It's a very different angle. Believe you me, everybody. Um, so what's next? You know, are there more books coming out? Um, you know, Tristan, uh, are you following on from this book? What's what's coming down the line? Yes, there are more books coming out. Two and three are ready to do final edit on. Um, I'm writing on what's probably book six or seven. Um, and the other ones need to be typed. So it keeps me busy. I've got, uh, I've got books at all, all different stages. So if I get bored at one stage, I can skip into this stage and pick up here and go for a ways until I get sick there. Then I go to this stage, clear over here and work on my book for a while and then come back, uh, you know, to type or come back to do research or come back to uh, read through some note cards or come back to write or, you know, they're all at different stages. So I've got plenty to do. Do you enjoy writing? Yes, I do. And I, I enjoy reading, you know, books that I'm interested in, too. So what sort of books uh, interest you? Um, I tend to like books set in the 50s and later, um, the 1950s or later. Or um, I tend to like books from the 1800s. So I'm kind of a picky history buff. <laughs> So that, yeah. Now, do you have any idea to think about this one, Tristan? Yes. What sort of books I like? What do you think I like? Um, I would say that, boy, that's hard. Um, I would say it's possible that you're kind of into space, uh, books about space. But I would say definitely that you like all books. I, uh, yeah. I, I love spy books and I love crime books and a little bit of sci-fi. So you were almost there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there you go. Um, Tristan, who do you see as your market for your books? And um, would you like not just the LGBT you know, community to read your books, but do you think that other communities should read your books? I think the book is uh, is a piece that should be read by every thinking person that wants to see the different sides of the issue. Uh, we get enough of the anti-LGBT side from the uh, churches and to a certain extent from this from society and from the media. Um, and I think it uh, would it is pause to think and gives people material to think about on the other side, the pro-homosexual uh, side. And of course, the big question being um, that I've already mentioned is, and you've mentioned that uh, homosexuals and, and 
lesbians and bisexuals, whatever. They're born that way. They're wired that way. And uh, whether or not that's true, that's a big issue that I cover. But I've got, I've got stacks of study material that I've taken notes on just sitting in boxes around here. <laughs> So I've got tons of material to draw from. <laughs> and, and just coming back to that issue about people are born that way. You know, I see so many times, you know, a person who is, you know, born uh, gay, uh, you know, got gay tendencies, is wired that way. And yet their families and society twist them into going down another path and a path that doesn't suit them. And I've seen the damage it does. Right. You know, this, uh, you know, but there are quite a lot of people who are with gay um, tendencies. They're married, and the marriage falls apart because they should have never have got married to a woman in the first place because they only did it just to satisfy their family and society. And it Correct. just falls apart, and it all comes to light in the end. Um, so I'm just a great believer in, yeah. in that. We should just let people be who they are. That's just my viewpoint. Yeah. Yeah, um, I agree. Tristan, where can people get your book from? Well, it's on Amazon. It's on <clears throat> Barnes & Noble. It's on the Internet. Well represented on the Internet. <clears throat> Boy. Excellent. There you go, everybody. Um, Tristan, I just want to say thank you very much for coming on the show. I thoroughly enjoyed looking at your book. Um, yes, it's taken a little while for us to put this podcast together. And I'm sorry, everybody, but um, it's not a video version. Uh, that's just simply due to the um, video quality um, from here in the United Kingdom to Chicago area in um, the USA. Um, but I just want to say thank you, Tristan, for taking the time to come on the show today, talk about your book. And I hope I get the wonderful opportunity to talk to you again uh, about the next series, the other books coming down. Thank you very much, Tristan. Okay, you're welcome. I'm Jetty Crowley. Thanks for listening, watching, wherever you're in the world. Until next time, stay safe. <laughs>